0: Thanks, Django. That's the second time you saved my life and I won't forget it. Look at Maria, look at her. She can't take her eyes off you. Take her, she's a present. A night with her and a man forgets all his troubles. No, thanks. I'd rather have this one. (laughs) Too bad, Maria. I did all I could. The gringo doesn't want you. (laughs) But don't cry over him. Come and have a drink with us. We're having a big celebration. (laughs) Tequila para todos.
1: Welcome back to the Blown Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldspetation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Mark. How's it going? Do it pretty well. Um, take two for trying to get this episode done. Um, and we'll go into that. Uh, but, <laughs> if, but first, I want to I want to make note that it's spaghetti time today. serving up a nice Italian style feast. Um, I might have even used that on the last episode as well. I don't I don't remember, but um. I you know what I got to thinking about it as we were talking about spaghetti westerns, and I was thinking, and I'm like, you no, know, it's, it's, it's it sounds pretty derogatory when you think about it.
0: No, like no, it's all right.
1: I, I, no, I know it's not considered, but it, like when you think about it a little bit more, and you're just like, you know, Americans were making their westerns, right? Like John Wayne was making their westerns, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got spaghetti westerns spinning up. Um, you know, you got a fistful of dollars coming out, and all I can imagine is some guy sitting around being like, "You uh, you worried about those spaghetti? Are West- you worried about those westerns that the Italians are making? Uh, kind of like circumventing all of our stuff here?" And they're like, "Nah, those Italians, spaghetti western style things over there." No, I'm not afraid of them. I just it just seems like it's sp- it was like a something that came out derogatorily, and then uh, and then it kind of stuck from there. It's just kind of funny to think about. I don't know. I was, th- I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, huh. almost sounds like they're trying to make fun of them. They're little spaghetti westerns over there. Yeah. Um, But we wanted to do spaghetti westerns on the show because it's been a while since we've gotten back to one of those. Um, Done a few on here and probably should have taken stock of what we've done in the past because we set out to do another spaghetti western and I. Was going through my my movies that I have, and I was like, hey, Django the Bastard. Good one to do, I guess, right? So got through the whole process. I watched the movie, loaned it over to Martin. Martin watched the movie. We talked about it. Um, I was going off of the assumption that Martin had never seen it before. I'd seen it previously in the past, but I had reviewed it. So um we go to record. And for whatever reason, Martin had said something like, oh, didn't we do Django, the original Django? So I went to go look up our episodes and lo and behold, there's Django the Bastard, like episode 149 or something like that in our in our (laughs) history. I'm like, oh, shit, we've already done Django the Bastard, which is pretty surprising because most of the time we have a a good well, at least you do. You have a good handle. You're the, (laughs) uh, you know, the. The historian of the podcast of knowing what episode and when we did it and what we did, but uh, no, most of the time we have a good handle on what we've already done, and it's very surprising that out of all of like the spaghetti
0: westerns that we could have picked, pick Django right. the Bastard, and we? And I, on it. and I tried talking you out of it. I listed a thousand different films, and you're like, oh, "We're gonna do Django. I want to do Django the Bastard." I don't know. And I, gu- I could have swore the film we're doing today that we already done. So, I mean, it's just Mandela. effect. I guess so. I, but I, I, I also know. watching Django, the bastard, too. Like it was like a, I had an uncanny feeling of uh, as I was watching it. Like this seems pretty familiar. <laughs> pretty familiar. Yeah. Can't quite put my finger on it, but it seems pretty familiar. But to be fair we're almost up to episode 300. So we've almost done 300 different films. And to be honest with you, if I had to pick like five films that we've done that probably are in the backseat of my memory that we've ever done, Django, the bastards probably up there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, cause we've done some really random ones, um, at c- certain points. And, um, Sometimes it's just hard to remember. Like like you said. And this was like what it was ended up being like six years ago that we actually did it, right? Or five years ago. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So it's been a while since we've done it. And I don't know. It just never it didn't stick out to me. And I didn't feel like we've done it. And not like God's gone. No. No. I don't know. It was just it's just funny. So we were like, Well, guess that's out. So we scrapped (laughs) recording for that night and we went back to the drawing board and um we decided that instead of doing Django the Bastard, which is an unofficial Django
0: uh, sequel, it's not real. Which, I mean, which after watching, comparing it to the film we're doing today, uh, uh, <laughs> these right. these Italians and their silly, silly nonsense called
1: nonsense. Exactly. They, I mean, there's like 30 Django films. They don't tie into each other much at all. Um, but I mean, it it only made sense to go back to the beginning, and cover 1966's Django, the original Django movie, uh,
0: which I could have swore we did.
1: No, and I know for after watching, I've never seen the movie before. Um, you haven't either, right? Like, no, you just have the Mandela effect of having seen it at one point, but you had never seen it before. And uh, yeah, no, I've I've never seen it. Um. And we we definitely didn't do it because I we looked it up and made sure of it, and uh, yeah, it just made sense. It made sense to like go back to the beginning, see what the, all the fuss is about, especially since we literally just watched Django the Bastard <laughs> We could kind of compare. And um, but the, the the other thing that was on the table too was uh, doing uh, another film of Clint Eastwood's uh, for a few dollars more because we've already done a fistful of dollars, and that's now been. Like two, almost two years ago that we did that one. Um, but Django won out, uh, mostly because we've never seen it before, so it's something new to uh, to take in and new episode, new new thing
0: to do for the episodes since we've watched Django the Bastard twice. Yeah, yeah. new year, new us. We'll get to a fistful of dollars some, another day, but that's something we we'll do. No, we did a fistful of dollars.
1: We'll get for, to a few I, for a few dollars more. My bad. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we don't want to go through that whole thing again. That little <laughs> charade. Yeah.
0: Chicanery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so
1: Django, 1966, uh, about four years after Fistful Dollars released. Or my two about years two. After, two Two years after. Yeah, yeah Fistful was in six, 1964. It's Two years after Fistful Dollars
0: released, we get Django. Um, it's also five years after Yojimbo, which this is again a loose adaptation of Yojimbo.
1: i think that it's even looser, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's I think like it's by extension, it's like uh, you know, like an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation sort of thing. Um, you know, it's it's obviously pulling a lot from a fistful of dollars. Um it's doing the whole spaghetti western idea, but uh, in terms of in terms of spaghetti westerns, because there's a lot of them, right? It's it's kind of the same thing as like all, all the Italian style things, giallos, uh, gialli, I should say. Um, you know, the, the Italian crime, um, poliziotteschi. There's a lot of them, and they were released at a very like wham bam, all in one like era, and uh. So there's a lot to go through. But in terms of spaghetti westerns, you have your high top tier. You got your like, "Eh, it's pretty good, like medium style. And then you definitely have your low tier of movies that were, you know, kind of thrown out there. Really just cash grabs of movies that had released previously. Really kind of all um, tackling the same sort of themes or, uh, you know, elements within them. Um, a lot of them have like the mentor story, which we talked about in God's Gun, um, the revenge story. Uh, so there's really not a whole lot of room to maneuver. But, um, within Django, I think one of the reasons why Django has become more of a classic in the spaghetti western than some of the other ones, uh, is that it is actually, qu- qu- in my opinion, quite well made. Um, it, you can tell that it has a better, um, Adherence to uh, the realism of the time, uh, which it, you kind of remarked on in Django the Bastard, where it kind of, where the the realism of his history kind of is seeping in with like 60s, 70s style where they, they kind of like aren't able to <laughs> hide yeah, the 60s yeah. that are kind of encroaching into
0: like well, they're not they're not even trying in fact i think they're kind of flaunting it but i mean that's Mm. kind of like one thing at least with spaghetti westerns in general for me like especially like during the early you know part and the ones that kind of are more grounded like with the leone films is that you know this strict adherence to like you know look feel like you know you know when you watch john wayne films you know john ford films you're not seeing men running around dusters you know uh, which would be appropriate, you know, where they're running around, you know, bright pink shirts and, you know, colorful yellow pants, you know, yelling like yippee kaye and riding <laughs> off into the sunset, you know. Yeah. And where, you know, the spaghetti westerns, you know, give us for the most part, you know, that grounded reality to uh, work with, some t- and a lot of times with wry humor. But, you know, you get that nice, like, uh, like, what feels like, you know, an authentic feel to it, you know, and part of like the spaghetti westerns later on as you know the, the 60s go on march on and go into the 70s the 60s and 70s aesthetics and styles of like hippie chic and shit it really starts to bleed in and kind of draws away from a lot of films because they're shot on smaller budgets and it's like yeah whatever you know right who gives you a shit if yeah, you yeah just print pillow let, randomly let's get it in
1: there <laughs> yeah get it
0: shot lay it down yeah. and yeah
1: we'll deal with the rest later um yeah I mean and I think I think Django being a reference film you can tell that this was more strictly adhering to the history of it the you know the, that that seeping in of the 60s culture is not there and it, it it is very similar in a lot of respects to A Fistful of Dollars in the way that it presents um the protagonist um a, you know a lot of it is very similar Except it does go in a different, it's a slightly different direction um, throughout its play. So um, let's take a break here real quick. Don't want to go too far into Django. Let's talk about the beer that, or I guess we should say not beer, non-beer again, that we have on the show. Because it, again, it's dry January. So still, we, we've been very still. careful. Well, <laughs> you, I you have had. been very careful. I just had wine. So me drinking a non-alcoholic beer, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for non-alcoholic beer, I did adhere to Martin's Rules of Dry January, um, because it was my turn to, to get something. And so I went out and I, I've known about this one for a bit and, uh, just never had a chance to, and actually, to be honest with you, this brewery is not one that I've had a whole lot of. Um, even though it is pretty readily available around here for whatever reason, just haven't really gone out of my way to get it. Uh, I've had a couple from them, but, um we're talking about industrial arts brewing and um, they always adhere to like a very strict uh, theme in terms of th- their beer output. You know, it's like literally industrial um, most of the time it's like names of tools for their beers. You know, I think they have wrench is their like bog standard IPA um, and for their non-alcoholic beer. And, and at le- I think the one that they had first started with it's um, called safety glasses. And it's an IPA, and um, when I was checking out with safety glasses, the uh, lady that was, you know, because obviously with non-alcoholic beers, you still need to get carded for whatever reason. Um, so when I was checking out and getting carded. She was like, "Oh, does that come with safety glasses? It's such a weird name for for a beer." And I was like, "Well, lady, you haven't, you don't even know the s- <laughs> the whole extent of it. If if safety glasses is the weirdest beer name that you've ever heard, because." They get weirder, lady. They get weirder. Um. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, they, also to note, they have, they have a pills now too, which I did not know about. I'd known about the safety glasses IPA, but I didn't know they had a pilsner in the non-alcoholic style. So good to know, and possibly be checking that out at some point.
0: Look at but, that! They got they got readily now. We'll have to get uh. Any beer, which is a modern classic lager, which is made with everyday uh New York grown corn gently kissed with citron cascade. Oh. For a modern flavor profile. Gently kissed. I can't wait for that. That just sounds delightful.
1: Um so as an IPA, this non-alcoholic beer. Um think it comes in at like less than 0.5% alcohol. Um tastes basically like the other non-alcoholic IPA I've had, which I've had um, Athletic Brewing's IPA. And this one is like super similar. I think they probably use the same hops. Um, I think they use like Citra Mosaic and um, one other hop varietal, I believe. Um, Cascade. uh... Cascade.
0: It's a West Coast IPA too, not
1: yep, uh, Nipa. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it tastes basically the same as the one from Athletic. They're very, very similar. They all they have the same um flavor profile to them. Um, and actually, Athletics was just Citra and Mosaic, so Industrial adds Cascade as well. Um. While it's like I think they're good to drink, they they do the job just fine. Um, They always the IPAs they always tend to have like a very samey like kind of watery kind of hop water flavor to them, and I don't think that's a bad thing because I do enjoy that flavor. It's just that if you're looking for mouthfeel and robustness. Um, the non-alcoholic IPAs, they don't reach that level, at least in my opinion. And this one doesn't either. I think it's, you know, it's it's solid. It's a good representation of an IPA. Um, it just doesn't manage to get like that full body that you would expect from an IPA, in, in my opinion. Um, how about you?
0: What do you think? Um, I agree. It's a lot like their, um, it's a lot like athletics. And I would say, I've also had Brooklyn's... Uh, Bog standard, not uh, sniper, uh, non alcoholic uh, IPA 2. And they all have really the same kind of taste, you know, nice hoppiness to it, a little bit piney, but the wa- you know, because it's an NA, the mouthfeel feel very watery, very thin. Um, also, too, I'll note that all three of them, too, also have like a, because it's non alcoholic and it doesn't really have a mouthfeel to it or any real presence outside of like the, Malt in the hop itself—you definitely, with the maltiness and the breadiness of the West Coast IPA style, get kind of like a rye, peppery aftertaste to it. Um, and that's something that, like, all three of the the uh, non-alcoholic IPAs I've had uh, kind of have is like a rye pepperiness to it. So, uh, it's not bad, but it's definitely. They're not anything that hits the spot. Like, if you're looking for, like, an IPA, it, it, it just, does. It, I don't think there's a substitution for it. It's just like, okay, and okay, that's something, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, it, it does remind me of hop water. I'm not saying it's maybe necessarily as watery, <clears throat> but it has that same mouthfeel of, like, the wateriness to it, Uh the hop varietals coming out. I would say that hop water is, like, a little bit crisper. It's like having a seltzer. Um, that somebody hit up with a bunch of hops. So, um, it's a little bit like crisper in terms of, you know, if you're looking for something to quench your thirst, hop water is kind of the better substitution as a non alcoholic beer. If you, if this is what you, you know, if you've got to have something and you, you, you want an IPA, it's going to be approximation. Um, it's not the best approximation of an IPA. And like you said, it probably is difficult to really pull that off. But I think from the ones that I've had, this is very similar, and it's probably about the closest you're gonna get to a real i p a without the alcohol so they did a good job i mean i I think it's it's definitely drinkable it's uh kind of similar to a session um so not bad
0: now the, the one thing uh I kind of want to mention, uh, before we get off, like, the dry train, I'm sure everyone has seen the White Claw at zero percenters. Oh, yeah. Like, what? what's the point? I don't understand. Now, that literally is seltzer. <laughs> I mean... It's just a seltzer. So you're paying for a 12-pack, dollars for it, when you could literally just buy fucking polar seltzer. You know, $18 worth of polar seltzer is... Like 50 cans of polar or <laughs> right? So, I don't, so I don't, I don't understand. I want to know who's going to run out and buy that. I might buy it for like a meme one of these days. Like when I get my tax return, like the first thing I do is like, oh, okay, I'm going to do my money. But other than that, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't understand. I don't either. I definitely, it's definitely not uh, crashing down the door to get that. Um, can you imagine somebody, rolling up with the non-alcoholic seltzers to a party or something. Hell,
0: they even have calories. 15 calories. Oh, yeah. So it's not even
1: seltzer like if you... so you're it's... you're way better off just going for seltzer.
0: So I just don't I don't understand like what You're going to tell me that like, you know, the lime white claw NA is going to be as crisp and refreshing as a Polar Lime Seltzer? I think not. Agreed. Polar
1: is extremely refreshing, so I just can't imagine. I feel like it's going to have the sort of sugary, fake sugary flavor of a you know, of a White Claw without the
0: refreshing quench to it. Yeah, I just don't get it. It's like super memey. Like you'd think like something like that's something like the onion would have put out. Yeah,
1: right. Like like a fake thing. Like
0: Yeah. Now now coming soon. Which as I'm looking up uh on the Google box, uh there is a Reddit forum called Not the Onion, and that's like one of the top things is what call launches news <laughs> 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 It's so stupid. Well, yeah. So, if anyone's out there, you know, is gonna go give that a shot, let me know. Yeah, try it I'm out. i see what, see what I'm still, I'm still, I'm still pissed about tw- pay- paying like twenty four dollars for Happy Dad Seltzer. So,
1: yeah, if you got, if you got stupid money to drop, then go for it, pound them in a day. You know, show how much. So show the money you've got. All right, let's get into. Django in depth. Um, So, as we said, we'd never seen this one before, um, which is kind of interesting. You know, like it is a classic spaghetti Western, you know, not considering Sergio Leone films. But um, Sergio Corbucci directs Django from 1966, uh, a movie about... The aforementioned Django. Um, Django!
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you've kind of
1: you kinda got that gotta get that in there at, at some point. Just the uh That nice Tom Jones you know, song. <laughs> Django, Django, he's a man who was in love previously. It's nice too because Django. the Tom Jones songs, in in this, you know, in, in true sixties and seventies fashion, the theme song gives you all the backstory you need to know, especially. The end song where it's it kind of goes into is like he
0: was in love and then he lost her and then he came back and then is he's... it is it up there with uh Shaft? Shaft needs to be Shaft. a man. No, 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 not the theme. The, you know the one song from oh, Shaft the, where it just used the name. Yeah, just like yeah, it's like Shaft is a man or like so is that the top three? The Django song, the Shaft, Shaft be a man, love women or. From Smokey and the Bandit, like Bandit, <laughs> Bandit's a man.
1: I know. Like I said, it's it was a thing that in the sixties and seventies you would put
0: your whole fucking narrative into the theme song. Not yeah. only that, the trailers too. You need to see. It's amazing that movies even sold back then because you could see the whole film in three minutes in the trailer. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm good. I got <laughs> well, the gist. The whole
1: story's told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and this one, you know, you've Django is kind of like you know a mysterious man you don't really know much about his past doesn't really go into it in all that depth besides the theme song and at times he'll talk about a woman that he loved and she's dead and gone that comes later in the movie um so it is helpful to kind of get that backstory from the from the the soundtrack um but Django in this movie when we first meet him he's a guy who's dragging a fucking coffin through mud and well first first the desert yeah the desert and then through mud i mean i was thinking you know as he's dragging that coffin through the mud just you know think about me having to drag my son in a sled in the snow it just that's that would i think i would probably give that uh thing up <laughs> only three, like when- 50 feet in yeah <laughs> Once it gets a little bit muddy, and I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm leaving it.
0: Uh, no, thank you,
1: you. You figure it out. I don't. I don't have the uh, fortitude to to go about doing that, or at least put like skis on it, put runners on it, or something. You know, like a toboggan. Make it a little bit easier to get through the mud. So they, you know, the town that he's going to is full of mud shit. It's just a fucking
0: shitty, muddy mess because everybody Everybody's left a, it. The toboggan's gone, okay? We already did Lacey Chaberingas. Yeah. So we're we're on and past. By the way, so I think I know why I thought we did Django. Um, Even though I know our first episode was Man, Pride and Vengeance, uh, the thumbnail you got there is the German film name and it's got Django in it. True. So mm-hmm. I think that's why uh, and stars Franco Nero. So I think that's where the wires got crossed. Could be.
1: Um. When we so when we first meet Django though in this movie, he's come upon a woman who's been abused by both
0: uh, Mexicans. Well, and- first I would say first. Yeah, she's getting you know roughed up by Mexicans. They get gunned down by the clan, and then Django show and they rough her up because <laughs> she was getting roughed up by mexicans and then uh Django shows up and then mows them down yeah it's a it's a whole thing and it kind of
1: sets up your first encounter with the two factions that Django's going to be dealing with you know you've got uh general hugo and his mexican banditos and you've got um the other the uh confederate major uh major jackson who um is also kind of a psychotic mess um, who's been basically just dealing with Mexicans in or in and around the area and fucking kidnapping them, making them run through the f- a f- like desert and then picking them off as he sees fit like them, you know, they're fucking hunt- hunting pigeons or something
0: like that. Which, uh, apparently, uh, there is some historical reference from that. That is uh, something that was done in Brazil up into the 1950s. Or something like... That. It's, you know, like, and I guess it, it's...
1: In the movie, it almost seems comically evil. Like, it's too... You just no, far, it
0: definitely far is.
1: But far-fetched. Effect- especially during the 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 scenes that they show of it, where they're like, "Hey, yeah, Get on! Get on, boy! And, then, you know, it's like... It's 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 comically evil, but you're right. Historically, you can't really make that shit up in terms of how far
0: human evil will go, I guess. Well, not only like that too, the one uh you know, uh, the majors like right hand man has like a mustache twirling, you know, mustache, so yeah. You know, that's maybe why possibly dick-dastardly.
1: So basically you got Django here in the middle of these two factions. And you've got Maria who he's just uh, saved from uh, a certain death. Uh, First she's being whipped, thrown around. um, And he saves her from it. And he basically brings her with him along. He's like, I'm going to town. You come with me. And he brings her to town with his uh, little coffin. And at the town, he finds out, hey, this town has been basically ransacked by both gangs, um, and Major Jackson specifically has been coming to get protection money from the, uh, the bartender to not really do much of anything. Basically just, like, maybe sometimes stop Mexicans from trashing up the bar. Because we know that both of them are kind of like, have run this town into the ground, basically. There's no town left. It's just the fucking bar and, and some prostitutes hanging out at the bar. And that's it. So that kind of sets up this whole idea of like, well, whose side is Janko on? And the film kind of gives you that information of like, previously he fought for the Union. Um, You've got Confederate soldiers who are leading one side of the, the faction. You've got Mexicans who are leading the other. Um, Which side is he going to fall on, right? And in true spaghetti Western fashion, especially with like mysterious stranger figures, we don't really get to see the moralism of Django. He doesn't have any really. He's just he doesn't really care that much about what goes on between the two. It's more about like what's, you know, selfishly what does he want to get out of it, Uh, which I which I like a lot. Like, how do you feel about that in terms of like moralism from Django as a person?
0: It's I mean, it's fine. I mean um it's definitely, it's uh you know, just these films are a counterpoint to you uh, yeah, like the John Ford style Western of you know Good guys. You know, there's the good guy and the bad guy. It's either, you know you know, John Wayne, the rest of, you know, the white East either taking on the red man or the Mexicans or, you know, the Rustlers. You know miracle always wins here. You get that, uh, moral ambiguity, but at at the same, at the same time, that kind of shtick of, uh, only works so well, uh, depending on your protagonist, because, um, everybody in this movie is a cretinous piece of shit, you know, sure. Yeah. You know, there's, (laughs) you know, uh, and sometimes, too, that's, you know, a thing that a lot of these, like, films kind of run into a problem of is, uh, being, you know, dark for the sake of dark, you know, mm. um, you know, you definitely see, you know, I mean, as ch- I, say, I say, being being nihilistic doesn't mean it's got depth. Um,
1: sure. And, you know, I think that in this movie, we do get at least a little bit of that moralism. You know, obviously. We do, to to a certain extent, Django doesn't really care what happens here. Like he doesn't, and and honestly, he's kind of an asshole through some of the movie. Like, um, he unnecessarily shoots up the bartender's bar for like no reason.
0: Yeah, at point. Just yeah, just to show like his fucking machine gun off. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, so so it's it's not like we're saying like Django is like this really nice guy who's like oh you know I've got to save the women and I've got to um do this and that and help people and help the bartender and care about it. He doesn't really care that much. Um, If it suits him, he will help. And I think moralistically, the film does go into it a little bit. Like, obviously there is some morals to stepping in and helping Maria at the beginning of the movie. There is some moral uh, elements to it about how, um, you know, he finds out that major Jackson is basically just like killing these Mexicans, um, you know, uh, and how Major Jackson feels like he's a superior race because they're basically, you know, the equivalent of the Klansmen, like the KKK. They w- instead, of, they wear red hoods in this one. Um, that was, I would say that was a thing back then, red shirts. Yeah. And, and it's in this one, you know, Major Jackson specifically says the superiority of, you know, them as white people. Um, takes precedence over the Mexicans. So you kind of have that moralistic element too, but overall Django doesn't really care that much. And I guess what it eventually boils down to in terms of what he's really trying to do is get a bunch of gold. Um, and I feel like the film doesn't really go too well into the motivation of Django in terms of like what this gold is really going to do for him. Um, like, we know he wants it. We know he wants to, like, start a new life, basically. And ultimately, like, the coffin is sort of a reminder for him as well to, like, leave the name of Django behind. um, And, like, leave his past life. And presumably the woman that was killed behind. Um, But ultimately, like, what is this mountainous pile of gold and small, annoyingly, like... <laughs> annoyingly small chunks going to do um it's not really that clear like the film doesn't really go into it and that too the the whole idea that that's what Django's looking for doesn't really come out for probably two-thirds of the movie i want to say um it's it, it, what do you what do you think like about the plotting i think that's my biggest peeve in terms of like Ultimately, why are we embroiled in this conflict? Um, is that there really isn't an overall reason per se that it that it occurs?
0: It's definitely yeah no I agree it's definitely a lot more muddled uh, in comparison to uh, Fistful of Dollars at least in Fistful of Dollars uh, you know, Clint shows up in the town. There's two you know, f- you know fighting factions. You know two different bosses. And we're you know at odds, and then you know Clint plays both sides to try to get you know you know their money and gold. Mm-hmm. Here, I think it's a little just muddled up because it's kind of like yeah, there's you know Confederates, and then there's Mexicans running around, and Django shows up the town. It's not, but I think though. the film's not really interested in the the who you know the why you're getting there it's just kind of like here's the premise and go it just kind of happens yeah 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 um and that's why like everyone for the most part is very uh ambiguous overall and all you know shrouded in mystery for the most part Um, yeah I don't think it's a bad thing though because I think the film is paced well enough and has enough going on and action and such that it's it's uh, it's definitely you know doesn't falter because of that but it's definitely like again it's not interested in the nuance of the story it's more interested like here's our beats like you know here's our beginning here's our middle and here's you know our end fill it out yeah and
1: you're right it's definitely you know well paced because if you compare this to the january the bastard which we literally just watched yesterday Um, this one is much better in terms of presenting a, like a clear story that is not, um, doesn't suffer from like poor editing. This, this, this moves at a nice clip. It's like, oh, here's, you know, here's your introduction to the Confederates. Uh, here's your introduction to the Mexicans. Django's going to fight both of them at some point. Um, and like about. I want to say about like maybe 20, 30 minutes in when we really start to meet the Major Jackson and his group of Confederates and racists. Um, there's a nice little standoff in town where he basically says, get like, how many men you got? And he's like, I got 48 men. And he's like, well, bring them all. <laughs> bring them all <laughs> to town. Um, it's a nice little standoff. And then, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't even have to wait. to like I
0: say, it, it's a lot like, the, you know, the... the- standoff in a fistful of dollars where, you know, they come out and, you know, Clint's doing the whole like, I need three coffins. hmm He know uh, walks out and puts them down. He's like, better make it four. You know, here it's like it's the same like setup and it's kind of shot for shot, kinda really similar. And then instead he just fucking whips out a machine gun and just mows them all down. So that like get like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, that's pretty uh, pretty nifty. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say,
1: is you don't you don't have to wait for a long portion of the movie to find out, like why he's lugging around this coffin for no reason. You you find out right then and there. Oh, he's got a machine gun in that <laughs> he's been just keeping in there and bringing with him uh, as a just in case. Which
0: and animes have you know ever since taken note? <laughs> oh, so cool! Absolutely. That coffin if, and shoot if, machine gun. If oh.
1: your spaghetti inspired, is spaghetti western inspired anime doesn't have a machine gun in it, then what are you doing? yeah i mean i like that i like the the whole i like the like the setup because basically it's like first half hour oh there's the confederates like you're kind of dealing with the confederates second half hour now oh, there's the mexicans you're kind of dealing with the mexicans as mm-hmm. Django kind of gets into their faction and um basically comes up with this plan to rob a fort uh of their gold and it's base. it's major jackson's fort basically um And then after that, you know, after that 30 minute period, then you've got Django kind of setting out on his own. Um, Which that
0: that whole fort sequence, too, I'm pretty sure Red Dead Redemption took. For when you sneak into Fort Mercer, with Wes Dickens and you Gatling gun everyone down.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you can see like all the similarities to it as well. Um, in terms of like the setting itself, the, the how the fort looks and everything. I really love though when the guys are waiting and they see the wagon pulling up and like, oh, the girls are girls here. Are... Literally, guys are coming out of the woodwork like fucking termites. It's <laughs> just like <laughs> women, only, there's only, only three women for the <laughs> 75 men around. So I hope they've brought some lube. It's gonna be a rough day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be great if somebody dumped in there, like, uh, like, oh, wait a minute, wait a just hear somebody yell, boobies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a good scene.
1: And, uh, I, I like, you know, I like the whole idea of like infiltrating this fort, getting the, the golden and then getting out. Um, and it showcases too, I, I, what I really like too is like it showcases like the Confederate versus Mexican shooting style. Because you've got the Confederates, they're like very calmly like lining up shots with their rifles and stuff, and then you got the Mexicans two handing it sometimes.
0: <laughs> well, um, that, that well, that's those weren't Confederates; those were that was the Mexican army. Jackson was down at the uh, fort in Mexico. Oh, the Mexican army, right? right. Yeah. So, because his guys have all been already wiped out, so that was the Mexican army that he was down at, and they go down to the. Fort in Mexico to get the gold that he stashed down there, but you're I I like more that they're just wearing these nice bright white uniforms, you know, looking so clean cut and dapper. They do, they do.
1: Um, the last half hour, like I said, you kind of get Django's kind of breaking off of for both of them. Um, at that point, you know, he's he's breaking away from the Mexicans. Uh, they've already taken the goal. It's pretty come pretty clear. They don't really want to share that gold. Uh, Django said, you know, we made a deal. I'll be leaving with my half of the gold. And, you know, you've got General Hugo, who's basically like wishy-washy. Like, yeah, we we got the gold here. Um, Why don't you stay a while? And we'll we'll divvy it up at some point, but not right now. So Django kind of makes off with it. Uh, It's a pretty cool scene, too, when he steals the gold. Um, because of just the logistics of of watching Franco Nero go through these motions of like, you know, climbing out through the window, pulling the coffin with him, maneuvering it down through, you know, like uh, from the roof and stuff like that. It's a pretty cool scene. It's of, like a uh, fucking
0: splinter cell <laughs> bit. He's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just stealthily dragging a coffin across <laughs> wood boards above, and like you know. Yeah,
1: it's, it's pretty <laughs> hilarious, though, to 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 think about, like, having to drag the coffin around. Just, um. and you know what? You know how you do that? You have a busty woman in the window that the men get to watch undress. As simple as that. Who You know what? The thing is that he made it look so easy being stealthy like that. He didn't have to. Could have dropped fucking dynamite back there. And they'd be like, what? Huh?
0: I don't know. There's a busted well, he,
1: woman in the window.
0: Well, he ended ended up uh doing that. Yeah, he did after, but I
1: in unfortunately too, that this is where I'm talking about Django being kind of an asshole in this movie. Um, after he saves Maria, and he basically just gives her back to the Mexicans, he's like, here, you take her. Well before I, I don't, no, before, I don't well, fucking care. Well,
0: but before that, you know, after he kills all the uh clansmen essentially, uh the red shirts you know, she's up in the uh they go upstairs into her room and he's like, Yeah. I bet you feel like a real woman now, don't you? And she's like, I do. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. yeah. And then they have sex off screen, but still, it's like <laughs> it's not much better than, you know, you know, the Mexicans and the and you know, the Klansmen. He's just like, Yeah. I mean, at least Clint in his movies, he ain't got time for women, period. He's too busy, you yeah. know. I got money to
1: make. Yeah, this one does kind of come off smarmy. Uh kinda kinda sleazy. Yeah, yeah. sleazy, because you know he the the, the I guess that it's the dialogue. It's the way that he like presents it. It's like, I've never felt more like a woman than what you've made me, and he's like, Oh yeah. And he just like comes over and takes basically takes her like in the script. It just says Django takes her, <laughs> you know, because of the way that it just plays off is just, yeah, pretty sleazy. Uh, and then later on, when you take into account how he treats her later, he gives her to. Well, the I know. Person. Yeah. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, like, yeah. When they're like, you can have her. And he's like, I don't fucking need her. Yeah. I don't want her. I'd rather have this one. And he takes like another <laughs> woman to the other prostitute down yeah um it's just again it's like one of those things and then later on too then you have maria who basically admits her love for him Django. she's like what do you love about Django? you literally just met him protector yeah i mean what do you like he's an asshole to you doesn't want you that's why it's hot he's the bad boy
0: Listen, I know after you gone down fifty clansmen with a machine gun, the first thing you need to do is a shot of tequila and do some humping. So <laughs> that's uh, why, you know, that's why he went in there after. He's like, All right, this is what this is what this place is meant for. That's right. Um, what do you think about the uh, the whole idea of breaking Django's hands? That is great. So that part at the end is what makes this film like pretty cool. Cause you don't ever really see in films generally uh your protagonists get like the total shit beaten out of them by at the end, roughed up to hell, and you know basically on the losing end. Mm-hmm. You know, they destroy his hands. Yeah. And his and they look awful after you know they capture him and they shoot Maria and uh General Hugo's like we don't kill thieves not you know cuz we're thieves ourselves but we do teach him a lesson one guy takes the butt of his Winchester and just breaks his hands into a million pieces. It's fucking brutal and it's fucking awesome. And
1: yeah, t- so a couple things, Django as a movie is a lot more brutal than probably so, uh, many of the other spaghetti westerns that you've seen. A lot of times, the spaghetti westerns, like the shootouts revolve into like, oh, gunfire, guy falls and, off a roof. <laughs> you know, like twist and
0: fall. Yeah, yeah. Wil- you, Wilhelm scream. They do, they do use sometimes in here, like they had a budget for like five squibs. Yeah. So, bro. like they use like one squib when the guy gets <laughs> shot in the eye and he's like, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, but I mean, it's also too that very like Dawn of the Dead uh f- hyper fake you know blood like it's like super pink kind of you know it doesn't really look like blood yeah
1: which yeah, is it's, why it's
0: it's why, why it's funny when you think about it today like this film was considered too vile and it's like uh-oh. yeah i mean it's it's
1: definitely more violent than some of the other spaghetti westerns um it it, it has more blood it has yeah it has that guy getting shot in the eye um and I think it's it's quite a bit more brutal than what you generally see. The other thing I wanted to point out too is that you mentioned the you know the, normally the hero doesn't really get his ass kicked that much. Django gets his ass kicked a couple times, shows that he's not quite that good at fisticuffs, at least not as good as he is with his gun shooting. Um, because there's that one one scene in um Hugo's uh bar where a guy's fighting him and he gets oh, yeah. pummeled for yeah, quite yeah. a while.
0: Yeah, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. When they get into a little scuff about. How? Uh, because Ricardo's mad that the prostitute won't go with him and they get into a fight. Yeah, and they, he gets his ass like beat up. A yeah, bit, Django though. just barely makes it out of that scuffle. Um
1: So, yeah, this film does kind of show that a couple times. But the ending where he gets his uh, hands broken, that's that's pretty great because, you know, obviously a gunfighter, you know, that makes sense, too, because you don't want Django coming back anymore. So who goes like, well, you know what? Let's get rid of his, you know, the only way that he's going to be able to come find us. Um, it's a great scene. And I think that the end of the movie itself has a lot of great moments. Um, surprisingly, especially in dubbing English dubbing, um, for spaghetti Westerns, they, it can be very hit or miss, but I think whoever did major Jackson's dubbing Eduardo Fri- Friardo, um, whoever did that dubbing did a very good job with major Jackson because it does come off like a very menacing standoff quite a bit. Um when it, it not even like so much that he's like psychotically evil that we see other times, but like when he's just like taunting Django, uh, especially at the end of the movie uh it's it's a really well done scenes um that you like you'd see more of now in like justified uh shows like Justified where they you know they kind of get like that standoff dialogue going. um I think it does a really good job at that, and then the end of the movie where Django basically sets up this uh, showdown in the cemetery. Um, between Major Jackson and himself, and he's literally like dropping the gun all over the place. He, like he can't hold it in his hands. He's got it set up, and he's got he has to rip off the um, the little metal um, underneath the trigger, the handguard. The the, hand yeah, the handguard with his teeth, and then like try to prop it up on like a metal sign on the, in the cemetery. All uh, that was missing when he was doing that was. <laughs> I, I like I like that a lot though. I like that the whole idea of him, you know, like finagling with the gun, really like struggling with it, dropping it all over. It looked you know, even watching it and watching uh Franco Nero do that looked very frustrating. Um, like you have to like pick it up with his arms and prop it up on the metal and stuff like that. Um I think it I think they did a really good job with that ending scene. But the one thing I will say is that I was I accidentally like hit the button to see how much time was left. And I looked and I was like, there's one fucking minute left. How is this (laughs) wrapping up? He hasn't even shot anybody. Like they're literally just doing the standoff. There's one fucking minute in the film left. Cause this, again, this is one of those films that just is like done over, you know, no end credits. Just Finn. Just (laughs) yeah, the end. (laughs) Um, it has a quick wrap up, but I liked it. I like it a lot. The one thing I will say about the movie, um, in terms of like shootouts is it, I don't think the shootouts are necessarily that, um, um, cool. Yeah. They're not (laughs) that suspenseful. They're not that cool. Um, probably solely because a lot of them are just like machine gun mowing down. It's like, there's no real risk to Django for a lot of it. um, there's not a lot of like back and forth gunfights. And I think that maybe is one of the lower points in this movie is that you don't get to see some of like the actual expertise
0: of gunfighting. The beginning in the bar is like probably the one mm-hmm. when he first shows up and he, you know, shoots, you know, the five guys that were, excuse me, that are with Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's like the real, like uh, most like suspenseful. It's not really suspenseful, but you know, but like kind of, cool you know even tw- you know franco nero even twirls the gun a little bit and then says you know i only have one bullet left that wouldn't be fair so that's what he, you know you're talking about like how many men you got 48 bring them all down so you know you have a chance you know that's cool but the rest of them are very you know just man the whole the first machine gun you know killing is pretty cool because that's like oh you get to see you know take the gun not you know his gun out of the coffin, mow everyone down. It's cool. But by the time you get to like the fort, it's all just, it's just a mass one side massacre when he's in town, you know, trying to make his escape from the, you know, general Hugo. It's just another stupid, this one, even d- dumber massacre, the whole, you know, Mexico, uh, you know, Hugo getting mowed down by the Mexican army. Kind of cool. But at the same time, like, you know, very serendipitous that, you know, they were on the right, you know, path going along and. Yeah, I I think that's
1: probably I mean, I guess the shootouts are like the the mowing down is fine, but like you're right, it happens like four times in the movie where one side is just completely blindsided and obliterated and it doesn't really leave a whole lot of, you know, back and forth action um, between the two. So I think, you know, that that might be one of the the areas that I think Django could have done a little bit better. Um
0: How do you feel about Franco Nero in the role? Well, because we don't get to hear his voice, you know, at all. Um He does a great job. You know, his acting throughout is damn great, like his facial expressions, you know, his look, you know, he definitely does look like a good surly version of Clint Eastwood uh does a great job in this uh and a lot of the acting that he does you know again with like the his hands after you know they get broken and the way he was like fussing around with a gun and all of that he did a tremendous job in this film and he's definitely one of the reasons why to watch this film is because he does such a standout job in it yeah i agree i think he did a
1: great job like uh, with the dubbing uh, you're kind of left with an unfortunate, um, unfortunate voice actor for the dubbing um, who doesn't necessarily get across the, I guess like the, the intent of what Franco Nero is going for. But I think overall presence wise, Franco Nero does a really good job. Um, and compared to like when we watched Django, the bastard with Anthony Stephan, um, much better at, portraying the role uh in like a serious but you know menacing way at times um i think he's he does a much better job and even sometimes a little bit of a like comicalness to it too um i think he does you know what he can without actually having his voice um in the dialogue doing the dialogue so yeah
0: he's definitely too um for him at least th- like the worst parts <clears throat> for him in the film are when he's kind of clinting it up a little bit too much because mm-hmm. when i think when he's out there doing like his own thing it's definitely the best because there are, are definitely points in this film you know where he's totally you know just doing the clinch stick. uh but when it kind of goes and th- does his own thing much better for it mm-hmm. yeah i agree
1: um, Anything else that we didn't cover in terms of the uh, stuff in the movie? What'd you think of that quicksand? The quicksand uh, comes out of nowhere. And it's act- kind of a funny scene, too, because like we have never seen Django be like that.
0: Un- oh, damn it.
1: He like accidentally tosses a gun. It fucking goes off. F- horse kicks, bucks the coffin down the hill. And then. Uh, you see him kind of like see the coffin rolling down. He's like, "Yeah, not a big deal." And then all of a sudden, the kind of the the, the camera zooms in. He's like, "What? Quicksand? Uh, most inconvenient quicksand <laughs> placement ever!" Uh, as the coffin rolls into the quicksand and sinks I to al- the bottom.
0: I also with the gold. I also like too that the gold is literally just like looks like sawdust shavings. Yeah. <laughs> and they dump I mean, it on the floor i'm thinking, thinking like we're... that'd be such an annoyance to have to pick up what? all that little and, pieces of gold into like the livery stable so it's already like filled with like hay and stuff but it's so funny too because it's like it's not gold bars or anything like they and it just looks like sawdust so he when he's putting it in the coffin he's like it just looks like he's lining the coffin with fucking sawdust <laughs> I know which that part too with the whole shootout there is stupid because he like sets the machine gun up, lets dynamite go off, and then they just come like, what's going on down there? Yeah,
1: come waltzing in as as literally bullets are flying out the door, and
0: everybody just keeps coming running in in a massacred line. Which also too that thing would have gotten jammed real quick because it's a uh, you know belt fed, and yeah. the whole point of you know. You, of having like a gunner when like you're machine gunning like a belt fed what machine gun is, you have somebody there to help feed the belt so it doesn't get jammed up, so that thing would likely went tuh, 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 and then just spit on and it would have been like, what was that
1: so you don't think oh. it would would have worked the way that it it's no. depicted in this movie
0: also too, the fact that it's like eighteen sixty whatever the fuck. 1870 whatever the fuck and he's running around with what looks like to be like a modified like M1918 machine gun. Not even like mm-hmm. a Maxim or anything. You know, yeah. kind of funny, but Um
1: all right, so we got to give uh Django a rating. Cho So um on a scale of zero to ten, uh, Friar Tuck haircuts for our bartender.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what would you Nathaniel. give? Nathaniel. <laughs> yeah. What good would you... old
1: Nathaniel. <laughs> what would you
0: give, Django? I'll give it an eight out of ten. It's a lot of fun. It's a good, really well made spaghetti western. Franco Nero definitely carries this film. Um, again, there's a lot of uh you know similarities in this between this and a fistful of dollars it's unavoidable from what they were doing but i think this film succeeds in more parts than a fistful of dollars cuz it's got better pacing than a fistful of dollars has for the most part it's a lot more engaging than a fistful of dollars even though a fistful of dollars is a really good movie it is kind of plodding compared to the rest of leone's work franco nero's great in this he looks great He's got great presence, you know, especially when he's doing his own thing instead of a Clint impression. I think the whole carrying a fucking coffin with a machine gun, that's a great... It's stupid, but it's a great idea. And I can see... You can definitely see why it's iconic. It has, you know, that imagery has kind of lasted over the years. Um, I think the idea of the two you know, the two warring factions in this being Confederates and Mexicans as ex-Confederates and Mexicans is it's okay. It doesn't, like, you know, I don't really think they do much outside of, like, just kind of, kind of be there for the sake of being there. Again, the movie's not really concerned too much with having great nuances. Its plot, it's more like A to B to C. But the film at 90 minutes is a quick brisk easy watch well paced things move you know pretty briskly um just everyone's a hor- a horrible cretinous lech lecherous uh piece of shit in this movie but <laughs> that's you know usually a uh, spaghetti western fair how it goes cuz it's you know they're kind of nihilistic but you know franco's a little bit more nihilistic in this than your usual uh hero or anti-hero but i think it's you know well a darn good film. I liked it a lot. I thought it was, you know, pretty engaging, pretty fun, and I'm kinda sad that's the first time that I watched it. I'm kinda sad that there's 30 spin-offs now because they obviously probably missed the point. Like with Django the Bastard, even though in this movie he's blatantly a ex-union soldier, and Django the Bastard, he's an ex-confederate. So you know. You silly, stupid Italians. They kind of get it wrong, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I would uh, agree. I would give this an eight out of ten. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really good uh, in terms of a spaghetti western. Definitely a higher tier. Um, I really enjoy Franco Nero in the role, and uh, I liked the idea that it's a fistful of dollars, but kind of changes things up. Maybe a little bit more violent. Maybe goes a little bit of different directions with the uh, Confederacy and and uh, Mexicans, um, while still basically maintaining the same. Um, basic storyline of what, what they're going for. Um, I think that like all the shootouts probably could have been better. Uh, and part of that is just because of the overpowered machine gun that kind of makes an appearance a few times throughout the movie. Um, but you know, with that said, I think that it has a lot of good standoffs. I think, um, major Jackson as a character is pretty cool despite his like psychotic kind of over the top nature sometimes. Um and I had a lot of fun with it. I it's definitely one that I would revisit again. Um, and I can understand the the appeal of it. Uh, and you know why it's considered one of the better spaghetti western movies of the time. Um, and looking forward to potentially picking up Arrow Video's uh 4K of it at some point. Add it to my collection. Fun stuff. And and uh, miles better than. Django the Bastard as well, which we ha- had readily available to compare to. <laughs> um, All right. I think we know what's up next for next episode, right? Yeah. So next, we already week, haven't picked out.
0: Yeah. Next week we'll be back because um, Ryan sillily mentioned when he, we were talking about Westerns to do. He's like, well, it's not a spaghetti Western, but how about there will be blood? Mm. To which I said, oh my. He says, yeah, we got to do it. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And it's kind of sad that you haven't even watched it. Never seen it. It's a three hour film, so get yourself ready. Got to get prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not sure
1: why I haven't watched it, but. Going to rectify that, so. Yeah, it's
0: fantastic. So you want to tune in for our episode yeah. on There Will Be Blood. Maybe we'll also do a book club episode. We'll do uh, Upton Sinclair's Oil, which the book is loosely based on. Mm, there you go. It's a nice brisk 530 pages. I'd read it.
1: Um. All right. So definitely tune in for our episode on There Will Be Blood next. Um. You'll... You can pretty much get it on any podcast app that you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, uh, which I think is going away. Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, or home base. Um, so anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, we're on it. So um, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. Appreciate that. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Chrome Podcast. We also have an email address at, at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to consider. Uh, you can also donate to us on our Spotify page or at Patreon um whatever you want to donate we will put back towards beer so we appreciate that in advance um or possibly zero percent white claw so who knows we'll waste your money on it not ours um (laughs) so thanks for listening hope you enjoyed our episode on django and uh spaghetti westerns hope you if you if you do want to hear our episode on django the bastard um which we were initially going to do um Go back to like episode 149 or something. I think it is. Uh, it's there. Did that a few years ago. So um, thanks for listening. We'll be back with there will be blood next week. And until then, take care.